Do you eat, sleep, and breathe golf? Do you love to explore? And most importantly, do you just want to have some fun? Well, then welcome to Talking Golf Getaways with Mitch and Darren. Now, here's the guy with all the questions, Mitch Lawrence, and the guy with all the answers, Darren Bunch. Hi, Darren. Welcome once again to Talking Golf Getaways. That's right. It's Mitch and Darren time. Glad you're with us, as always, to talk a little bit of golf, a little bit of travel, and in this case, on this episode, (laughs) the high end and the low end of golf travel. This is going to be really fun. Glad you're with us. iTunes, Audio Boom, GolfTripX.com. Of course, you can find us at Golf Trip Experts on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, if you've heard of those things. Uh, Darren at Golf Getaways on Twitter and Instagram. Me at Mitch Lawrence, L-A-U-R-A-N-C-E, throughout the online cosmos. Uh, Darren? I like that you've just come up with a shorthand. For everything now, it's just iTunes, Audio Boom, GolfTripX.com. You guys should know what that is. Well, by now, I think so. we this is episode 154. I so know. unless it's hard to believe, this isn't like the old days where you'd be watching ESPN and stumble across something. This is somebody <laughs> who actually wants to listen to us. So I'm happy about that. I figure they know where they found us, and uh, if not, I'll just start hearing about it, and we'll change that pattern. Do they want to listen to us or are they being held hostage somewhere? And this is what the uh, captors are playing to try to get them to talk. What? Holding a mashing niblick to their head? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and a bowl of haggis under their nose? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right. This is going to be an interesting just you and me episode. Uh, we're going to peel back the layer on... Two great days of golf, and you couldn't be more on opposite ends of the financial spectrum, certainly, at the two places we're going to talk about. Uh, and it's, this, is, this is just one of the more interesting things I think you and I have, have gotten to talk about. Well, it was just an interesting situation in which you and I both went to play somewhere, you know, went to play some COVID golf or pandemic golf or whatever we're calling it uh, on opposite sides of the country uh, on, on essentially the same day, mm-hmm. uh, but in a completely different uh, experience. Uh, yours was, uh, I hesitate to say super low end, um, but super inexpensive. And, and mine was, of course, off the charts. We've we've made no secret about the fact that I was going to Pebble. And so we're going to kind of recap that. But uh, it'll be fun for you to talk about uh, uh, the, the the amazing place you went in the Carolinas as well, and uh, it'll be, it's it's gonna be a fun conversation. But first, <laughs> I was like throwing in the but first. You don't want to get to the fun um, too quickly. Exactly. Uh, we we have to do a little uh, a little business here. Mm-hmm. Um, have you thought, and not just you, Mitch, but I mean the listeners. Uh, have you thought about what you're going to do, where you're going to go when all this is over, if it ever ends? Uh, we're saying, how about Ireland? Golf Newsnet and Golf Trip X are teaming up on a trip across the pond in August of 2021. Uh, if all things have uh, settled down and we're able to go across uh, the water at that point, and what a trip it's going to be. It's going to be unbelievable. Uh, we we mentioned this once before. We're going to keep mentioning it because Darren and I are going to be excited every day <laughs> until August of 2021. You can join Ryan Ballinger, our great friend and partner, Golf Newsnet, Golf Trip Experts dude. Um, Darren and me, we're all going and you can come too. Royal County down. This sounds pretty good, I think. It's, Royal not, County a bad, down. it's not a bad lineup, you know. Ardglass, Portrush, Port Stewart, the island. And Port Marnock and whatever little tiny fun places we can play because it's in August. So there's probably 20 hours of daylight. Um, <laughs> we're going to stay at Bushmills Inn, Sleeve, Sleeve Donard, and the Fitzwilliam. All of them fantastic spots. I mean, these are really, really cool places to stay. What I like about this, Darren, because yeah. we obviously will be sampling a lot of Irish whiskey probably other things. Uh, Ground transportation is included in this great package. Yep. And one thing I do know is spots are going fast. Ryan got the news to us, put it up pretty quickly, and I think 
half the spots went within the first couple of days. Yeah, it was something like that. And uh, I talked to him this morning, and uh, he said it's uh, he's going to actually start taking deposits pretty soon uh, mm-hmm. because there are people who, uh, you know, are just they're they're raring to go. And so if you want a spot, there's also talk that we may pare down the group to have it be even a little bit more intimate than was originally planned. So uh, if you're trying to get on this itinerary and go with us, uh, you got to do it now. Go to golfnewsnet.com for details or reach out to Ryan Ballingee on uh, the Twitters and the Instagrams and all those other places. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, all right. Usually we start off with the best place you've seen, visited, or talked about this week, and we do have those. But in actuality, this entire episode, as I said, is going to be just that. Because I and our good friend Mark Stewart of Tobacco Road fame went about as low price as you can go last week, and you went about as high end as you'll find, especially right now. That's right. So let's start with the Carolinas. Mm -hmm. Um, Mitch, tell me about this place and how you came across it. I know a lot about golf travel, but I had never even heard of it. I never knew it existed. Uh, Even now, I have a hard time remembering the name. Once I finish, you will remember the name. <laughs> remember that piece from Breaking Bad? That one thing? Brian Kratz said, remember my name. Um, yeah, and here's what's really weird, because I know something about golf travel. Not as much as you, probably, but I know something about it. I've done a lot. Definitely not and, as much as me. And Okay, but here's what's amazing. I had no idea this golf course existed, and it's an hour and 45 minutes from me. That's insane. Think about that. So Mark Stewart and I were talking, as we often do. He lives in Southern Pines, of course. I live in Myrtle Beach. And we're always trying to figure. I mean, I hop in the car, drive up to Tobacco Road. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Uh, You know, I'll run up, play, come home. We've met at a couple different places. um, And all of a sudden, one day, we were talking a few weeks ago, and Mark said, uh, have you played Shiraw State Park? C-H-E-R-A-W. And I said, no. And I knew where Shiraw was because I drive through it all the time. He said, have you played it? I said, no, I don't even know what it is. He said, it's a Tom Jackson design and it's right in Shiraw State Park. And I went, "Uh, no, no idea. So we talked about it a little bit and I said, I'll meet you anywhere. And the good thing was it's an hour and... Between an hour, an hour and 15 minutes from where he is in Southern Pines, an hour and 45 for me, which is about 45 minutes less than to get up to Tobacco Road. So it worked out great. And once I heard it was a Tom Jackson design, I was all in. Well, that's what I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask you about Tom Jackson because even mm -hmm. that name doesn't really ring a bell for me. And uh, and not to be confused with Tim Jackson from Jackson Con. Uh, you know, tell me, tell me what you know about Tom Jackson uh, so that, uh, because if I don't know, who, if that name doesn't ring a bell to me, I'm guessing it doesn't ring a bell to a lot of people. Well, and that's the truth. And this is another case of a golf architect who's been around forever. And I mean, you can say he's a regional architect because he is, but the guys designed, I think at last count, it was 124 golf courses. I mean, this is not a small number. This is not a small <laughs> resume. Uh, he's kind of an adopted son of South Carolina. He lives in the Greenville area. I believe he's in his mid-70s now. But he's been building golf courses for 50 years. Uh, his work resume, he he's worked with and for Robert Trent Jones and George Cobb is where he got his start. Obviously, two huge names, especially RTJ. So he worked with them for a long time. Then he kind of went out on his own. But he's got 45 golf courses in South Carolina alone. So if you live in this part of the country, I became familiar with him when I first started doing golf videos in the Golf Channel in Myrtle Beach. I came down here and he's done six. He did six golf courses in Myrtle Beach. And three of them are among my favorites. Arrowhead, which I don't know if you've heard about. It's a 27-hole facility that he co-designed quotes, uh, with Raymond Floyd and is a fantastic, it's one of my favorite places to play. So he did Arrowhead. Um, he did River Hills, which I also liked and the river club down on the South end. So, and three others that are kind of a little bit lower tier, 
but his name is very familiar. And the reason that I really fell in love with Tom Jackson, as part of the South Carolina ratings panel, we had an outing about, I don't know, six or eight years ago, up in the mountains outside of Greenville. And there's a number of courses that belong to the Cliffs group of golf courses. And the designs there are by uh, Jack Nicklaus. Uh, ben Wright has a great golf course there, Gary Player. And you can join the Cliffs. You can get a membership for all these courses. But we got to play. I played the other ones. But we got to play a place called the Cliffs at Glassy because of Glassy Mountain. And I have to tell you, it absolutely, totally, 100% blew me away. It's at 3,000 feet. Uh, it's, it was ranked, you'll like this, because we're going to be talking about Pebble, and you've been in Cyprus, but it was ranked by, um, I think it was Golf Week, as the fourth most scenic course in the United States. Wow. Behind Cyprus, Pebble, and Augusta. <laughs> and there's a hole there, and it really is spectacular. The 13th hole there... You tee off and then you go up to the top of the fairway and you literally feel like you're in the clouds looking down at the whole of South Carolina. And the green is kind of down there. And it's one of those shots where you almost can't hit the shot because of what you're looking at. I mean, it's fantastic. The whole place is amazing. So I knew about Tom Jackson when Mark told me that Sherrall was Tom Jackson. I kind of went, okay, weird. I've never heard of this. Anyway, that was a little longer about Tom Jackson, but all right. Well, Tom Jackson sounds awesome, and uh, you know now now I have a new quest. I want to play more Tom Jackson courses. You know, we talk a lot about how the game, so much of the game, is about the people you play it with, and and the fact that you were there with Mark at, at Shira and and having a great time. What about the course itself made it fun for the two of you? I mean, the scenery looked impressive. I, I think it was a lake that I saw in the pictures. And, oh, yeah. And the design just felt like pure Carolinas. Yeah, and it is. And I think that's one of the things about Tom Jackson. Uh, you know, there's designers who come in and they get a, a piece of land to work with and then they manipulate it and they try to really shape it to their thing. I think what makes Tom Jackson great, the courses that I've really liked, are that he has taken what is there and just kind of really didn't disturb it that much, but has given us a great place to play, a really enjoyable place. So Mark and I decided to walk the front nine and then take a card on the back because just quickly, they have this big, beautiful new clubhouse at Shiraw, but you can't buy anything. It's pretty much you just go in one person at a time, pay for your tea time, and then leave. They don't sell balls you know, it's all laid out, merchandise, everything, but you can't buy anything. And I hadn't brought food, and neither did Mark. And I said, there's no way I'm walking 18 with no snacks or anything. So <laughs> we walked the front nine, and it's a great walk. The course itself is, uh, from the back tees, is about 6,900 yards. But there's a lot of great walks between uh, greens and tees. Nice. And because you're in a state park, there's literally, you don't see, obviously, one house uh, the setting is off the charts peaceful. It is exactly what you'd think walking through a state park. It's like being on a hike, except you're playing golf. So Mark and I love that part. Mark's a big walker. I love walking, obviously. And as you get going, you realize that he's taken all the things that the state park is about and incorporated them into the golf course. So it's an Audubon Society uh, state park. So everything is built to protect wetlands and the bridges are all marked, do not disturb, you know, the animals. There's tons of birdhouses. The trees are fabulous. Uh, and it's, it's one of the best settings to just go and walk and play that I've ever had. Really, really blew me away. And that's saying something because you've played some pretty cool walking golf courses. Yeah. And the, the, like I said, it's a, it's a long walk. It's a really good walk. But you, you're not tired out. There's, there's elevation changes in some spots that you don't even expect. There's a par four on the golf course, and we're playing the whites. And then we get to a par four. I can't remember what hole it was on the back. And it said 428 yards. And I went, this is weird. There hasn't been a par four over, I think, about 390. And this said 420. It said it's weird. And we hadn't played there, Mark or I, so we didn't know the hole. And it's a dog leg left. you got to kind of go around these trees. And we get up to the top, and you realize that one of the reasons that 
the hole is what it is, is there's about a easily a 40 or 50 foot drop down to the green <laughs> with water in front of the green. So it's a challenging shot, but you know, there's surprises along the way. There's some holes that are more gentle than others. Uh, I think if you play the course two, three, four, five times, you can get really familiar with where you're supposed to be in the landing areas. But the golf course itself is plenty challenging. I said to Mark at one point, I said, this is great because some tee shots are left to right, some are right to left. Uh, there's plenty of dog legs that you have to figure out. There's great par threes. It really offered everything. And as we kept going and we saw more holes and we were enjoying it more and laughing a lot and just trying to hit good shots, we weren't concerned about our score. So we had a lot of fun and deep discussions as Mark and I always do, <laughs> you know that, uh, and having a great time and all along the way, and this was the killer. All along the way, I'm reminding myself that I had just paid $28 green fee, <laughs> including a card. <laughs> and, and, the, and the replays, they're $11. 11 bucks. <laughs> and if you walk, it's $28 with a card. If you walk, it's less than that. That's amazing. I think, and the rate card, which it goes up and down a little, I learned. Because of this, uh, you know, the pandemic and they just go up a few dollars here and there. But the rate card says $30 on weekdays, $40 on weekends. That's and amazing. I, I can't. I literally, after I finished, I said to Mark, and this is without any of the amenities in the clubhouse. I said, this is the best value for a golf course I think I've ever played for a full 18 holes. Wow. That is something. Does the, does the golf course interact with lake juniper very much yes. like like you get right on the on the bluffs of it yeah um the and the thing it's interesting is you don't feel it for the i don't know how many holes on the front you're just kind of out there in the woods and you know playing there and then all of a sudden you turn and then there's a green that's got a, the lake as a backdrop and it's kind of a it's a sliver of the lake it's plenty of water but it's a sliver of the lake then you get to the backside, and there's two holes that play. I, I mean, I, I, at one point, I even said to Mark, I know there's water here. I know there's a lake here. It's a state park. <laughs> and he hadn't played it either. So he said, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a lake here. So you play this first hole, and you kind of see this water. It could be kind of a really big pond, I want to say. And then when you get to the actual first hole where the lake comes into play, it's a 300-acre lake. Right. This is, it's a huge lake. And so those holes are great. The first one is a beautiful second shot into a green that's got the lake behind it. And then 18 plays directly. The tee is kind of right on the water almost. And you play up part of the lake and then it turns up to the left and goes up through the trees. So it's a, it's a beautiful finishing hole. Uh, and like I said, it's pretty much got everything you could want in that kind of a golf course. It really does. It sounds outstanding. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned it, it's it's close to almost everything in the Carolinas. I mean, uh, an hour and a half from the from the Pinehurst, Southern Pines area. What did you, you said take took took you just under two hours to get to it from? Yeah, Myrtle an Beach. hour and forty five, easy drive. Yeah. And so I mean, why would you not go there now? You said, I think you told me that there's another, there's like a Donald Ross course across the street. <laughs> it's, I'll talk to you like I talked to my eight-year-old grandson. It's not like a Donald Ross course. <laughs> it is a Donald Ross course. <laughs> is it public or private? And I, I would fine you three cents for every time you say like unnecessarily. Nice. Like I do my grandson. Um, yeah, it's funny because Mark said, you know what we should do? We should come down and play 18 in the morning at Shiraz. State Park, and then go across the street. And I said, why? Because I didn't even notice it coming in. He said, because there's Donald Ross course across the street. <laughs> I went, what? He said, yeah, Shiraz Country Club. I said, well, is it private? He said, no, it's one of those country club that's public. Nice. I said, yeah, so 1924 Donald Ross course. And I will tell you about the rest of this, which I did a little research after I got home. 1924. Now it's not the, uh, they didn't have a rate card up on the website, but Mark said to me, it's not expensive. It's one of those 
of the 400 Donald Ross courses. It's one of those like Wilmington Municipal in North Carolina used to be where it was 20 bucks to play. So it's it's not 20 bucks, but it's not expensive. And Mark said to me, it's not, he's talked to people who've played there. He said, it's never in fantastic shape, but it's in really good shape. And it's a Donald Ross course like you'd expect it to be an early Donald Ross course. Wow. So I looked at all the pictures and that's what it looks like. It's it's not tricked up. It's not fancy, but it's Donald Ross. But here's the thing about this place, because you and I always talk about places to stay. Shiraz State Park has cabins. So you can stay in a cabin at Shiraz State Park. And I drove by them and they look great. They're really pretty. They're in the woods. I said to Mark, what I'd love to do is come stay in one of the cabins play there, play across the street, and just hang for a couple of days. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure they, they have boating and stuff once it opens up. They'll have all that other stuff. So then I looked on, this is called Maurice Chiraw Country Club. And I, for the life of me, couldn't find out who Maurice was. But it's actually called Maurice Chiraw Country Club. And it's part of the Maurice Sportsman's Preserve. So I looked on there, and they have... I'm not a hunter, but they have all kinds of hunting itinerary and that kind of stuff. And they have an unbelievable amount of lodging. Nice. I, I literally was blown away. They have something called, how does this app? The Hunter's Lodge. You can rent it for $895 <laughs> a night, but for 16 people. That's fantastic. So, you know, I'm going, man, if we could get 16 people and go hang in the Hunter's Lodge, play some golf across the street back and forth for a couple of days. They have lodges. They have a bunkhouse. They got the Hunter's Cabin. And all of them sleep, you know, from four people, from two people to four people to eight people to 16 people. So that's, uh, you know, as far as I was concerned, this was like we keep we, we throw around the term hidden gem a lot. But this was so hidden that I didn't know it was there, and it's an hour and 45 minutes from Well, it's crazy that you you went in search of this little uh, state park golf course that you guys just wanted to get together somewhere in between you, and you stumbled upon this makeshift stay-and-play golf getaway that, right. you know, next time I come to the Carolinas, we're definitely going to go do that. Yep. Yeah, you would love it. I mean— and I said, Mark and I had, just to close this out, Mark and I had a really interesting discussion uh, about pricing. You know, on the episode about Pebble, which we're going to get into now, a follow-up. But we were talking about what's too much, what's not, what's expensive, what's not. And both Mark and I felt, I mean, it's a great value. It's really, really ridiculous how great a value this is. But we were talking about how it might even hurt him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little low because if you just hear there's a course that's 28 bucks to play, including your cart, um, and you don't know who Tom Jackson is, for example, and it's in a state park, you'd probably go, well, they threw that in just for to have you have something to do. And you might not really want to go there. You know, if it was, if they made it, let's say 40 on the weekdays and 60 on the weekends or 50 and 70 or something, we just both thought from a marketing standpoint we're grateful that it was what it was but i think they could i really think they could do a little more with it so we'll see i'm definitely going back that's a great conversation to have that we should probably have at some other time on the on the podcast too about about you know we, we talked about what is too expensive in that episode 151 but you know should golf courses be getting more you know because there are a lot mm-hmm. of golf courses that need the money and and it, there is a psychology involved to what you pay, um, you know, whether you're paying too much or too little or, or finding just the right sweet spot. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting and strange that a course in the middle of South Carolina, nowhere, should brought back memories of other courses that were as, as inexpensive as that one was. And the only other than a nine hole course. I mean, Winter Park is only, I think, 18 bucks during the week or somewhere. Right? It was when I was there. And the only places I could think of were in the UK, mm-hmm. where you could drive around and find a place for 15 pounds or 20 pounds that was a great golf course. But the difference is that's part of a community. They right. were always part of a the fabric of a town. So there were other things to uphold that. Yep, definitely. 
But Shiraz not that way. It's a state park. So anyway. All right. Let's move to the other end of the spectrum, at least price-wise. Because in my top three list is now Pebble, let's say, just for argument's sake, let's say Pebble, let's say Ben and Dunes, and third is Shiraz State Park. (laughs) And I'll die on that hill. All right. (laughs) No, no, I'm not. The joke. Uh, all right, but this was obviously a different experience. And in the last few episodes, we talked about this, and it came together on a whim. Uh, I can say you were simultaneously looking for a place to meet up with your buddy Mike. You were looking at how different courses in California were coping with COVID-19 concerns. And I guess the biggest question is, because now we know, based on your few hundred thousand followers and all that you put up, that it cost you $495 to play Pebble Beach. Um, well, let's start with the, the reason. You were looking for a COVID-19 kind of getaway. What were the coronavirus precautions at Pebble? Because it's a whole different thing. Yeah, and that was part of it for me. Uh, obviously, we you know, we talk a lot about this. I, I'm at a higher risk than most, uh, as you are. And uh, so I... I it wasn't just about going somewhere that was great golf. It was growing, going somewhere great golf that I could do in a day trip that also uh, I knew was going to be protecting uh, the, the the players, the golfers. And and most courses out there are now, you know, I, I mean, that's these restrictions, the count different counties are putting in. Um, so at Pebble, they, you know, for the most part, they did it right. Um, all employees were in masks. Guests were asked to wear a mask in, in all the common areas. So if you were encountering, encountering staff, they asked you to wear a mask. Uh, I, I laughed a little bit about the, the starter got a little too close to me. Um, and, and this is one of those things that before the pandemic, Mitch, you and I used to love this. We show up with our hickories and, and it's not like I was exactly cons- uh, inconspicuous in this situation. I showed up with a bag full of hickories in a vintage 1960s Park Ridge Deluxe pull cart. So uh, people see me coming, you know, and they're like, what the hell is that guy doing? And uh, uh, so people get fascinated with them. And, and you know, people are always wanting to, to, oh, can I look at them? Can I check them out? Can I swing one? Uh, we used to say yes to that all the time. Well, the starter uh, was fascinated by them, as I totally understand. And uh, she got... Uh, a little close for my comfort. She thankfully was wearing a mask. Uh, I hadn't put one on at that point. And, and, uh, uh, so, you know, it, it, it was one of those social distancing moments that kind of made me continue to think about as we, as we get in the golf course, we get on the golf course more and more now. Um, social distancing is not easy. You know, we talk about golf courses are great places and I, I agree, but, all you have to do is watch the skins game, you know, last week with, with Rory and the guys, you know, I, I found myself watching the broadcast thinking, oh, people aren't social distancing there and there and there. And and my guess is all the people who are on that broadcast have been tested. And so that, that helps. But, you know, I, I just, it's my kind of aside PSA, I think, because I see so much discussion about social distancing and more importantly, wearing masks. When it comes to social distancing, you, you got to really continue to think about it. Even in this pebble round, there were times where I went out of my way to social distance with my buddies. Uh, we came in different cars. At least three of us came in different cars. Mike and, and Jason are, are related, so they came together. But it, it's it's not easy. There was a, we were on, standing on the seventh tee, and, and Chad and I were trying to figure out what to hit, and, and uh, we didn't want the other guys to hear our yardage. So Chad walked up just like he would without even thinking and, and whispered it in my ear. And, you know, you, you have those kind of strange situations. And so I, I just, I implore people to continue to think about it. Uh, you're never going to get it right a hundred percent of the time. Um, and I implore people to wear a mask because and not, and not because you need the mask to protect yourself. Masks are designed to, to keep you from, uh, giving the disease to other people if you don't know that you have it. That's the crazy thing about this. We've said on the podcast before, this disease 
can be transmitted with you not having any symptoms or, or even knowing that you have it. And so when you wear a mask, it's not for you. It's, it's that you're protecting other people. You're protecting people like me. You know, if I'm your friend, you're protecting people like you. I mean, uh, you know, you've had heart issues. I have asthma. I fight diabetes. I've got like all the cor comorbidities. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I just, uh, you know, I'll take my moment out. And if people hear me talking about masks and this and they're like, oh, my God, here he goes again. Um, well, then you can fast forward, you know, and we'll yeah. we'll start talking about Pebble again here in a second. But uh, I, I just hate to see these arguments on Twitter and, and everywhere on social media about, oh, it's against it takes away from my rights to wear a mask. Uh, you know, we should all be in this together. It shouldn't wearing a mask and listening to the health uh, experts shouldn't be a political statement. It should be something that we all do together, just like the golf community comes together in so many other ways. But but what I started at that was uh, the the woman who was the starter, you know. Got a little close for my comfort. It's not like I told her, get the hell back. You know, I just kind of rolled with it and those things are going to happen. Um, but I do love the fact that people are enamored with the hickories when we show up. And especially when you show up at a big golf course like this where, uh, you know, pe people are like, oh, you're going to go out and try to play pebble with those hickories. And, and you know, that's the, the part that you and I relish. Yeah, and we've, we've gotten that all over the place too. And we'll show them. That's right. All around the Who world. Who they think they are, yeah. My answer is always that, yeah, we're going to play with the hickories. Uh, some days we're going to play well with them. Some days we're not going to play well with them. And it's going to be uh, just like when we played with regular clubs. Some days you go out there and you hit them good. Some days you don't. You know, it's it, it's yeah. not that different in that respect. All right. So let's move to a couple of the other questions as far as the rest of the Pebble experience, food, uh, beverage card, pro shop, buying balls, driving range, that kind of stuff. How did it work? Well, they had the gallery restaurant open for takeout, so that was great. Uh, the half, half halfway house was open. I, when I read originally on the website about this, I didn't think either one of those things would be open. I stocked out my golf cart with snacks and uh, took beverages and the whole thing because I didn't know what would be available. Uh, they ran a beverage cart as well, which was great. Uh, mm -hmm. They didn't have the pro shop open. It was kind of like what you were talking about with Shirah, but they did have a... They had a woman in the pro shop with a little sliding window. So if you wanted to buy golf balls uh, at the beginning of the round or something like that, you could do it through this window. So that that was definitely helpful. Uh, the driving range was open, but what made no sense to me was that the putting green wasn't. And, I mean, it's a pretty sizable putting green right there by the first tee. I, I would think that you could put a couple of holes and just ask the you know groups one at a time to go on there. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that's true, but I have to tell you, I've played the golf courses in Myrtle beach have pretty much been open the whole time. So I've gotten to play. I have not found one place where the practice putting greens were in use. Yeah. And see, literally I, not one. I don't understand it. We, we have them open. We have our putting green open at Rams Hill and uh, uh, you know, we just ask people to make sure they social distance while they're on on the putting green. And in yeah. this case with Pebble, I think I think they could be successful if the starter, when you go and you check in, uh, you know, if the guy just said, look, putting green's open, but we're asking that only the only the next group on the tee go over there and putt a few and then come to the tee. That would be, I think, a yeah. perfectly acceptable way to do it. Um, uh, one nice touch they had is, I, again, I didn't know if I would get a scorecard or a pencil or anything. I actually got online and from pebblebeach.com I bought a yardage book and had it shipped to my house before the round and which came in a couple of days which I was blown away by so they fulfilled the order uh you know their their yardage books have a scorecard in the back so I was I was already good to go with that uh but the starter uh, not the starter the check-in guy gave you a little plastic ziplock with a scorecard a pencil uh you know social distancing instructions bag tag and two little Clorox wipes so, you know, I, I thought that was a, a good way to approach that. It was the kind of thing where uh, if you if you felt uncomfortable with it, you could still spray it down or wipe it down yourself if you wanted to. Um, the only other thing they did that I thought made no sense, and this is across all golf courses. Pebble just happens to be one of the ones doing it. Using the pool noodles in the cups. 
Uh, I think is ridiculous. There are so many better options out there. At Rams Hill, we're using the putter lift, uh, mm-hmm. which is a nifty little device that you, you you know pops the ball out of the hole for you. Uh, I know Mark at Tobacco Road, they're using a, a, a small cut PVC. Um, uh, I've seen people, uh, Rio Bravo here where I play, they put the cups in upside down. Uh, it, there's no reason at this point to use one raised cups, which is the worst of them all. And, or pool noodles, because the problem with the pool noodles is you put a ball and it hits that noodle, which is spongy anyway, and it will bounce out if you don't actually hit the stick, you yeah. know. And so I, I I don't understand why they didn't try to think that out for as much money as I'm paying, four ninety five. I don't want my putts popping out of the hole. Yeah, uh, see, I think courses that are, you know, moderately priced and under. I kind of get it. They're going, okay, hopefully this won't last that long. Yeah. If you had but pool cer- noodles. Certainly that, at Pebble, they yeah. could afford 18 of those lift things or or something. Yeah. If you had pool noodles at Shiraz, I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. like be angry about it. Uh, but 400, you know, $500 essentially for a round of golf. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Get me a putter lift. You know, that's uh, or or just put the cups in upside down. Cups upside down is the best, in my opinion, is the best, most inintrusive way to do this uh, because the ball still goes in and you're you're pulling it out. It's it's not mm-hmm. that hard. Um, anyway, so so I think overall they they did a nice job of of the check in procedure and getting everything uh, set and getting you to the first tee. Uh, you know, it's it, it's it's certainly different than uh, a normal time at Pebble, though. All right, so let's talk the golf. I'm interested just to, I have this, because I've been there like you so many times, I have this image of the whole Pebble experience. Right. The golf course, the shops, the putting green, all of it together is off the charts, obviously. Were they busy? I mean, was was the the shops and the all those great places, they can't have been obviously busy. Were they open at all? Well, the golf course was full for the day, so I was surprised by that. That that there were a lot yeah. of people who took advantage of this of this situation. Um, but no, the rest of it it was eerie in a way. It was like a ghost town. I mean, uh, as you say, sometimes you get there on a normal day and it's just wall to wall people, you know, walking about. The pro shop would be packed, uh, all that kind of thing, and uh, this this almost ghost town. Uh, there, there's a set of bathrooms down at the end of the shops. And as I was walking down there, you know, all the, all the shops are closed, the hallways, other than a few workers, uh, you didn't see people, uh, the parking lot didn't really have any cars in it, you know, just the guys who were there to play. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was weird. It was strange. Uh, yeah. at the same time, I, I liked it because as you know, I'm not big for crowds. And so mm-hmm. it was, it was nice to, uh, be able to breathe a little bit with with the people uh, not there, you know, because because you can't one of the biggest things that they put on the thing is you, you couldn't have walk alongs. And one of the bigger knocks for some people on Pebble is that, you know, you, you, you might be you might be playing the 18th and have 25 people on that pathway, you know, right. down alongside the houses. Uh, so yeah, no walk-alongs at all allowed. So you, you didn't, you, you just don't have all that, the, the tourist aspect of it, uh, which to me made it feel more like, like pure golf. Right. Well, that makes sense. And that is, I can see that being a great thing. I just want you to know, as a side note, I talked to all the crowds and they were happy. They didn't have to be there watching. (laughs) So it kind of worked both ways. I played pretty well, Mitch. So there are a lot of I, I don't think that's true. I think there are a lot of people who probably wish they got to see my golf on this day. Well, I think if you let them know you're hitting bulldog into eighteen, then they would have wanted to be there. But that's just me. By the way, when you wear a mask, do you have a cutout for your goatee? Did you make a hole in the bottom of it? I do not, but let me say something about masks. Um we had a friend or a friend of my wife's uh, made us some masks. And she made me a really cool one that's got um, uh, like football, uh, like a football play drawn on the front of it. Mm-hmm. It's this black mask. And so I wear it for the most part and I pull it down and it covers almost my goatee. 
But I started using something the other day, and shout out to Bandon Dunes. You never know when Bandon Dunes is going to come into into play in anything that you do. You put do. a putter cover over your goatee? No, but but oh. Joey Russell, who you know, who's our mm-hmm. favorite caddy at Bandon Dunes, I've used him for years there. Uh, a couple of years ago when we were playing in just some ungodly weather, he had this neck sleeve, basically, mm-hmm. That is made by this waterproof, uh, made of this waterproof material, and he would he would slide it down over his neck and and um, you know helps protect him. And so he got me one that day. I was I loved it, and I was, I was talking to him about it. He went and bought me one, and I'm looking at it the other day, sitting here in my office, and I'm like, hey, I could use that as my mask. So now when I'm going into a place, I just slide that over my head and around my neck and then I lift and then I pull it up the way I need to and it covers up the goatee and my mouth and my nose. It's completely waterproof. I know that it's better than probably most of the handmade masks anyway. And so, uh, you know, shout out to Band and Dune and the next sleeve. There you go. But I have to say right here, can you hear that? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, that's that's a sleeve. It's not waterproof like you have. Yeah, and it's got the beautiful landscape and logo of Tobacco Road on, <laughs> and it's Mark gave it to me. He gave us two of them, so that's what I wear when I go out. Oh, that's awesome! All right, awesome. let's let's get back to Pebble. Come yes. on, yes, go ahead. We we digress. Um, the golf course, uh, a lot of golf courses. They haven't been played too much in a couple of months. Some of them have been closed for a few weeks or a month. Um, it hurts some golf courses because they haven't had the maintenance staff. They've had to let people go. Other golf courses, because there hasn't been a, a lot of play, they're in the best shape of their golf course life. Yes. What was Pebble? I would imagine it was probably fairly good. Pebble was in the latter category. It was the best playing conditions I have ever seen in going there for, what, 30 years now. I've probably play, played Pebble Beach itself. This was probably my, maybe my 10th time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was fantastic. The fairways and the greens were as good as they've ever been when I've been there. And sometimes you catch Pebble where those two things are in really good shape, but the rough is brutal. You know, it's it's because they've, they've got an event coming up or something and they're growing out the rough. The rough was completely manageable. It was it was high enough to be penal in a way, but you weren't losing golf balls in it or, or, or you know, having... Uh, significant problems. It was sticky. Uh, every, we all had to get used to that. You you couldn't go for the green a lot of times out of it. But um, you know, I I thought the golf course was as playable as it's ever been, and uh, just absolutely uh, super fun. And you know, we had a really good time. So uh, a great time playing. We caught some good weather. It wasn't photo weather particularly, but it was overcast the whole day. Uh, Jason Moyes wore shorts, which blew my mind. He showed up and, <laughs> and uh, I'm thinking to myself, you got to be out of your mind. The, the forecast said it was going to top out at 62. Uh, it, it actually was hot and sweltery. So, you know, we That's had a pretty cool though. Yeah. We had a good time. I mean, cause the thing is you picked a day in advance and you said, okay, we're going and it could just as easily have been 46 and raining sideways. Yeah, Exactly. So that's cool. Yeah, no, it was it was uh, it was great. The, the, I, I I mean I can't recommend it highly enough in in terms of just the the playing experience was worth every penny of the of what we paid. Okay, cool. All right, let's talk about the golf. The Bummage Moyes Cup obviously was on all the national news, <laughs> international news. Picked up the story, ran with it. You went viral. But for those of you who didn't get to see it, let's just talk about it. You and Chad versus Mike and Jason. I think you put up a, a poll on Twitter, and according to you, which <laughs> I, I don't buy this for a second, 81% on the poll said they wanted a speed recap of your match. Yes. So take it take it through us. That is, that is on there, Mitch. Anybody can go look at that poll on Twitter. Uh, apparently, a couple of people voted no, and I, I want to know who they are because I'd like to fight them. Uh, well, see, that would get viewers. Yeah, definitely. I, this We right. should have recorded this. I mean, I, I think the Bummage Samoys Cup, which we've talked about before. Jason has been on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we did it at Tobacco Road one year. Uh, we did it at Bandon one time. Um, you know, it, it should have been televised. It was every bit as as dramatic 
as Rory and Ricky and the boys, you know, playing golf over the weekend. Uh, you know, and, our, yeah, and I would bet that the four of you talk more shit than those four guys did. That's very possible. Yeah. We, Am I right? We, we do, we do talk a little bit. All right. Uh, and, and the biggest goal right now was, you know, trying to retain the cup. Uh, Chad and I had the cup going into this match. Uh, Jason is moving away. He's going to Wyoming and I, I just don't want the cup to go to Wyoming with him. Uh, so here, here's how it rolled. I will do this in. Two minutes. What do you? Is that enough? Is yeah, that tight? Go. Is that tight enough for you? That's tight enough. Go. All I right. doubt it, but go. Started off as good as it possibly could. I birdied number one for the first time ever. The starter I mentioned, you know, who was fascinated with the hickories, so she got right mm-hmm. up there and watched me hit my tee shot. I hit a beautiful little just bender fade into the middle of the of the first fairway, and then I hit a a, a, a niplick. Uh, to about six feet, basically. Played it perfectly, hit it to the left side, and it rolled over, uh, trickled down. And then I made a putt, which, as you know, and we've talked about in my endless string of 90s lately, uh, I haven't made many putts. And so uh, starting off with a birdie, good as it can be. But we turned around and we played number two, and, and Mike Smee is a big hitter. He's a monster. He can hit a long way. We're playing from the white tees, which are probably too short for him. And uh, he reached the green on the par five second into and made, I don't know, it was like a 20 footer or something like that for Eagle. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my goodness. But out of that, we pushed the hole because uh, we play a high low game. Mm-hmm. And so Mike beat me, but uh, Chad beat Jason in that situation. And so we didn't give up any, any points. And, uh, you know, it, it uh, it was a good sign for how things were going to go for us. We traded a few points over the next holes. Uh, we got to the to the fifth, which, as you know and has been well documented, I have have a, a registered ace on uh, once upon a time, twenty something years ago. Uh, I did not make another ace, just oh. so you know. Uh, oh. Just made par. Uh, you and I had a great day out there where I tried to recreate that ace, and you sure I, I, I think I hit it. You know, we must have hit that shot 20 times, and I, uh, I don't think I ever got it even within five feet. I, I had a, I had a decent play in there for that one. Uh, then I butchered the sixth and seventh, and I, it's just it's too bad, you know, because I love those two holes so much. In fact, all of us, for the most part, took a hit on six. Uh, Chad made a par, but I think it was a seven, a seven, and an eight for the rest of us. Um, but on the seventh, after I bladed one into the seals— uh chad hit a really nice shot and birdied it and i got to give a shout out to chad because now he has made two on two of the not just the most iconic holes in monterey but two of the most iconic holes in the world he made birdie at 16 at cypress point when we played it and now he has made uh, a birdie on the seventh at pebble beach so uh you know he really doesn't need to play golf anymore he can just think so, or he could go to every iconic par three and just play those. <laughs> just play the par threes. Yeah, no matter where else, what the course is, he'd just go play that. He'd go to Troon and play the postage stab. He'd go to Cabot Cliffs and play sixteen. You know, I love it. I think and that's, nothing else. Yep, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna suggest that to him. He's and then I have to go with him to guide him around to each of those places. Uh, <laughs> Jason, uh, uh, Jason is the worst of the four of us. I don't hesitate to say that. Uh, he also plays the least golf of the four of us. Uh, he made double on the eighth, but you will love the way he did it. I mean, he slapped it around basically and ended up in the, his fifth shot went into the greenside bunker on the right side of the green. And then he holed out for double bogey. So that was a that was definitely a highlight. We we made the turn at five points up, uh, which was a good thing. We we hadn't we didn't trail at all in the front nine. Uh, but I think I've told you before that the the history of Chad and me is that we like pissing away the lead, uh, and we have done it many times. I mean, we had uh, we've had many times that we could have retained the cup and we've given it away in the final holes. So, you know, this was no exception. Uh, we started giving po- back points on ten and eleven. Uh, I kind of talked Chad into going. He he had le- 
he had a chance to go for the green on the long 10th. Uh, I kind of talked him into giving it a try since we had such a big lead. And then he, of course, hit it in the ocean, uh, you know, because I'm a good caddy. So <laughs> they got it down to two with uh, uh, as we were heading to the 12th. And then it was just uh, I, I just put the pedal down, Mitch. I don't know what to tell you. I just <laughs> I just stomped on the gas from there. Uh, I almost holed out from the fairway on the 12th. I hit a, uh, another, uh, I think I hit Mashy Niblick in there and it, or Spade Mashy in there. And, and I mean, the, the ball mark was literally two inches from the hole. Uh, I, I couldn't roll in the tricky downhiller, but, uh, I made par there. Um, I hit a lot of great irons on this day and, and man, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how it happened because my history had been barely breaking 90, on mediocre courses and and uh, all of a sudden you know i felt like uh, i couldn't miss with the irons in my hand and i hit almost every fairway off the tee uh which you know at pebble you you have to do uh to to really have a chance to score uh we started to roll again jason started struggling with the driver we never looked back we closed him out on the 15th green up seven with only six points available and the cup will stay for a long, long time, I'm expecting, because I don't know when the last, next time I'll see Jason is. Uh, the cup's going to stay here in Bakersfield and Porterville uh, for the time being. Well, that'll make at least two of you feel really good. <laughs> um, and I, I, to me, I think the main thing must have been, because I know how you fold, <laughs> must be Dang. that you the image to you of the... Bummage Smoy's Cup in Wyoming I know. was just anathema. There's yeah. no way you could possibly visualize it. So you, as you put it, put the pedal down. Yeah. Yeah. I would I, <laughs> I would like to say I spanked Jason, but uh, that doesn't sound like something I should say. <laughs> That's a whole different podcast, which I'll let you do alone. And, um, you know, it's interesting right. with these matches, too. Uh, you know, we talk about team matches and things. We we didn't play our traditional, you know, alternate shot and, and uh, moving around on the tee boxes, all those things, because it was Jason and Mike's first time. They wanted to play their own balls, and I wanted them to play their own ball, you know, uh, for the mm -hmm. especially for what we were paying. Um, but when you play a team match, it really comes down to – you know what what both players are doing. We, Chad and I go into these matches knowing we that if Jason if, if Jason doesn't play his best, you know we're going to get him. Um, the the trick is whether or not Mike goes super low. Uh, I'm convinced after watching Mike play Pebble the first time that if he went back, he would break 80 uh, probably, you know, easily at Pebble mm -hmm. if he's playing his best game. He happened to shoot. Uh, I, I think he shot 82. On this day, which was uh, uh, very good, and and somehow I managed an 86, which uh, you know one of the better, well certainly the best round I've played uh, since the pandemic. Well, I'm gonna have to talk to them to make sure that's true. But um, <laughs> all right, uh, you put up a picture on Instagram, yes, of 16, yes. And you were talking about how much you like that hole, how it gets overlooked by people because of the 17th and 18th which are obviously incredible holes. Yeah. What's that about 16? What do you, what do you think? Well, I just, I love where that hole is in the round. Um, you're not out to the ocean yet, so it doesn't get all the hype that 17 and 18 get. Uh, but I, th I think of it as the start of, of this magnificent three hole finish. And the reason why it's not a particularly long hole. There's a lot of strategy off the tee of deciding what you want to do. You can try to bomb it down past the bunkers. You can play it safe, but you have to hit a, a fairly precise tee shot. If you get too far left or get over, you're in the rough and you're blocked out, uh, there are some people who are bothered by that there are too many trees that surround the green. Uh, but I think about it like, you know, we, we've talked a lot about Tobacco Road. Uh, you know, Mark's always talking about the 13th at Tobacco Road, the par five, where you should have a wedge in your hand for that third shot. And if you can't hit a wedge, you know, Strange used to say this, if, if you can't hit a wedge onto the green from 100 yards, then, you know, you probably uh, shouldn't be playing the level of golf that you think you play. And so I, I feel that way that you, about the 16th. You can hit it down there. 
try to hit a precise tee shot and then you get to you get this chance to hit a good short iron or wedge to what I think is one of the the funnest greens it's you know it's sloped in a way that you don't expect um it's just a it's a fun green to putt uh, it's a fun green to chip on and it just to me, it's one of those holes that uh, that I look forward to on that golf course, and I look forward to a lot of the holes, holes on Pebble, but uh, I really look forward to playing that hole and, and kind of setting up this finish. So you got 17-18, obviously 17 to par 3, um, 18 is 18. I mean, I, but how did, you know, you mentioned that two of the four of you had never played it. Yes. Because that's, to me, that's the big takeaway. I mean, I'm glad you won the cup. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but to me, the big takeaway is it's like me with Ben Green when we went to play Caledonia in True Blue, is seeing a course that you love and that many people love and getting to experience it with a first-time player. Yep. Yeah, no, it, those guys, um, you know, you could see the uh, – just just walking on the first tee, you know, and starting down the first fairway, you know, Mike was excited and, and – you know, as the as the golf course weaves in and out, you know, interacts with the ocean. You know, you can just see people. Uh, you know, they 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 fall in love with the setting, uh, the golf, and then when you you emerge from sixteen, there you see a hint of the ocean, but you get to seventeen T, and you're like, oh yeah, I've seen this so many times on the broadcast, and uh, you know, I absolutely love it. And then you stand on the eighteenth with that tee shot that looks just straight down the cliff line, um, you know, and you got the iconic tree out there in the middle, you know, the, those guys just, you know, they were blown away by it. And uh, I've got a great picture of, of, of Mike who just absolutely nuked one down past the tree on 18. And, and it's just, it's that moment that, that people have standing on that tee box swinging, you know, knowing you can't pull it. And uh, uh, just trying to to get home and and make a memorable score on those last those last two holes is something that I think everyone will remember. I'm trying to imagine the two of them, and because uh, I remember the first time I played it, and special place, man. I'm glad you had that day. I'm glad you, especially with Jason going to Wyoming. It's a good way to send him off. And yep, definitely remember it always. And too. I finished I finished the day. Like I said, I played pretty well, but I finished the day with maybe the best up and down I've ever made for par in my entire life. Wow. Uh, I, I, I can't get past the tree off the tee, obviously you, you know, playing the hickories. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I kind of, I hit it just to the right of the tree and I thought, Oh, I can, I can kind of thread this through there and, and get it down there for a second shot. And of course, pulled it a little bit, hit the tree square on bounced just a little bit ahead of the tree. So I, I think my, my second shot went uh, on the shot tracker must have went 20 yards, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I hit another one down there as hard as I could hit it. And I ended up in the rough behind the greenside tree. And I was right. right there in niblick range. I was probably 80, 85 yards. And I hoisted one out of the rough over the tree to within six feet. And then again, uh, Contrary, that means you made the putt. Right. Contrary to my normal putting, uh, I made the putt for uh, for an 86. And so, uh, huh. you know, I, I will, I've hit a lot of good shots at Pebble. And like I said, I've had a hole-in-one. Uh, but, man, I'll never forget that. I, I, it's been one of the best ways I've ever played 18. I think it's probably because there were none of those crowds that you talked about on the walkway. <laughs> Because you would have been point. right in front of them. <laughs> that is right. I would have been right there with like twenty people, twenty tourists right there, who would have been like, "Oh, yeah, well, oh yeah, let's watch this yeah. guy hack it up behind oh, the street." Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> well, bravo, man. That sounds great. What a what a fantastic day. We both had great days. Oh, it was. And I love talking about him. Just to kind of wrap up the Pebble thing. What's their deal now? The hotel. Gonna open? Do they have any idea when the accommodations will be back online? Yeah, according to the website right now, it's June fifteenth for the for the hotels to uh, the target date for the hotels to open. So that means there's still some time. If you're out there and you want to take advantage of this pandemic deal without having to uh, commit to the cost of overnight accommodations, uh, you should go do it. And uh, heck, I might go up and do it again. Really? Never know. All right, I'm, I'm, I think I have to call the IRS and have you. <laughs> 
audit it or something. <laughs> I got to use that stimulus money somehow, Mitch. Oh, great. Great. There's a go. Okay, there's a whole show. There is a whole show. <laughs> you boob. All right. Well, it's been great talking to you. I hope we get to play again together sometime. I'm getting kind of tired. We've had trips canceled. You know, do you know it was exactly a year ago we were at Gamble? Yeah, we were supposed to be Is at Gamble. Is that amazing? We're supposed to be at Gamble right now, literally as we are talking about this. I, I'm spo- I was supposed to be at Gamble again. But it blows me away that that trip was a year ago. We got to gotta figure something out because the time flies, man. Yeah, no but doubt. Hopefully we can do it again soon. Uh, thanks for listening. We're just talking to each other, and we're glad you're kind of sitting there, riding there. Along for the ride, as always, hit us up at Golf Trip Experts with your thoughts, ideas, suggestions for the podcast. Uh, you know, just come up with some stuff. Get on Darren's butt, because I have fun doing it, and I know you will too. Uh, or you just want to talk about the world of golf travel. Whatever you want, we're here for it, and we're here for you. If you'd be kind enough to rate us on iTunes, that's always a good thing. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, two dreamy rounds of golf. Darren had one at Pebble. And I didn't even know I was about to have a dreamy round at Shiraz State Park. We hope that you find a a dream course to get on or play one that you'll dream about later. Thanks for being with us. Keep running down those dreams. So long.